and welcome on back to the show to be named later part two of episode 72 where we're talking the 1989 Oakland Athletics. I'm Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Ready to bash. Ready to bash. Let's go. We're talking 1989 Oakland Athletics. Uh, here we go. So, in 1988, the A's, many of you may know this, they lost a heartbreaking World Series to the Los Angeles Dodgers. That was the series where Kirk Gibson, on basically one leg, hit the most iconic home run in history against Dennis Eckersley, and it was all downhill from there. So in the offseason, the A's, first of all, they re-signed Dave Henderson, one of their power bats, center fielder from 1988, and they also signed starting pitcher Mike Moore to complete their rotation. So this team, you know, they had a very strong rotation with the addition of Mike Moore, and they uh, reestablished the power with Dave Henderson in their lineup. They did. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, to start the year, the thing doing the most bashing was the injury, the injury bug. Uh, Jose Canseco injured his wrist and was out for at least the first month of the season. And in the seventh game of the year, uh, Mark McGuire hurt his back and needed to be put on the shelf for two weeks, unfortunately. So the A's opened up their season. Uh, and unfortunately, their debut, their, their season opener was actually overshadowed by the Major League debut of Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, that, was, that was what April 3rd, 1989 was remembered for. But the A's, they still prevailed in that game, as you'll see. up into right field and this should do it as Javier is there and the A's prevail tonight in a tremendous opener by a run so that is Dennis Eckersley recording the save also Stan Javier in right field uh with the final put out so the A's you know they didn't have either of the bash bros uh which is you know the personality in their lineup but they won 10 of 11 games between April 18th and April 29th mostly mostly without them and during that stretch, you know, they needed a bunch of other guys to step up, and they absolutely did. Uh, Carney Lance Lansford, the second baseman, hit, slashed 333, 419, 583 for a 10 OPS uh, between those 11 games. Also, Tony Phillips slashed 389, 476, 500, 976, and he started games at third base, left field, and second base during this time, so he could be plugged in anywhere. Also, catcher Terry Steinbach uh, slashed 393, 469, 571, and 1040. And he had a hit in all eight games he appeared in with also nine RBI. So he had more RBI than games played. And the A's, they were still rolling. They finished the month of April 18 and 8, which is pretty good, of course, considering they didn't have the Bash Bros. But they were still one game back of first place in the American League West to the Texas Rangers. And the A's actually had the best offense in the league in April. They led the majors in position player F4 with 5.3. They also led an average with 275, slugging with a 415. I know slugging with a 415 led the, led the league. It's crazy, but um, yeah. that's what the that's what the 80s were. And weighted runs created plus with 118. Also, another guy was the re-signed Dave Henderson, who slashed 308, 398, 4, 505 
and 904 through the month of April. He had a 402 Woba and 160 weighted runs created plus. Also, his 1.4 F4 was tied for sixth in the majors. So the A's offense was clicking on all cylinders. And as for pitching, the A's were one of three teams in the majors with a sub three ERA. They had a 290 ERA as a team. The rotation had a 339 ERA, and they were led by guys like Mike Moore, who had a three three and one record with a 191 ERA and a and 7.64 strikeouts per nine, which is pretty good for 89. Bob Welsh was also doing very well, three and two with a two three with a three two one ERA. And there was Dave Stewart, who was five and zero with a two seven nine ERA. Five and zero is very good. Two seven nine ERA gets you there. And the A's bullpen was the best in the American League. They led the AL in F four with a one point two ERA with one seven eight, FIP with two seven two, and K to walk ratio with a two fifty. They also led the majors in Ks per nine with seven point six four, average against with a one fifty six, and a WHIP of 0.88. Also, Babbitt with a 194. So, I mean, they were they were clicking really on all cylinders. One guy in particular, Dennis Eckersley, the closer, through the entire month of April, zero earned runs through 11 and a third innings pitched. He also led the majors in FIP with an 0.73 and was tied for the league for the league lead in F4 with an 0.6. He also had 10.32 Ks per nine and 0.79 walks per nine. So the A's. We're really clicking as a team with their two biggest bats out of the lineup. Yeah, the A's were A's were dominating, and unfortunately for them, though, uh, their their two bats would not be contributing as much as they would have wanted to uh, by the time May came. And on May second, the A's were down to their uh, last A's were down to their last out. Um, against the Blue Jays and Mark McGuire, a young Mark McGuire came up to the plate with the bases loaded, trying to take the lead from the Toronto Blue Jays. Here it is. the first hit that he's ever had off Tom Hankey. It certainly is a big one as the A's pass around the bash. So Mark McGuire with the team down in the ninth inning provides a grand slam uh, to turn the tides in the ninth inning. And on May 17th, 15 days after this, uh, reigning rookie of the year, Walt Weiss, left the game with the, with an injury and he would not play again until late July, unfortunately for the athletics, uh, starting pitcher storm Davis, uh, also went down on that exact same day. And Todd Burns made two starts as a replacement for Davis. Uh, and he combined for 12 and a third innings pitch, eight hits, two runs allowed one walk and five strikeouts in those starts. He also picked up wins in both of those starts. So the A's have lost their starting shortstop 
and one of their starting pitchers. So if you thought the injury bad, bug was bad now, just wait till this one. On May 27th, the A's clinched a series win in New York against the Yankees, but Dennis Eckersley got injured in the process. Of the first half. And in Eckersley's absence, the A's were forced to go closer by committee for the time being. At some point, uh, Todd Burns, the, who was previously mentioned, recorded four. Gene Nelson recorded one, but mostly, most notable was Rick Honeycutt, who recorded 10. And in this time, he went, he had a 219 ERA and he went 10 for 11 in save opportunities. So, I mean, he was able to step right up when Eckersley went down. So now we have what I call the return of the king. The A's were struggling in the month of June and they were right around 500 in the month towards the end of it. And they needed something big to get back on track. Uh, was traded by the New York Yankees to the Oakland A's yesterday. As you know, Ricky Henderson uh, was traded by the New York Yankees to the Oakland A's yesterday. He arrived here a little while ago. He has traded in his Yankee pinstripe for the green and gold of the Oakland Athletics. Okay. Ricky did arrive late. He kept his fans and teammates waiting. Uh, he arrived just 90 minutes before the game. Most players arrive about two and a half hours before the game. By the time Henderson got to the locker room, it was empty. All the players were out on the field. Ricky was greeted by fans as he took the field and began warming up. Meantime, in the parking lot, I spoke to fans to get their idea on the trade. It's a pretty good trade. Hello, everybody. This is Gary Thorne with Joe Morgan, and welcome to... So Ricky Henderson has returned to the Oakland A's to help them in their guide to a World Series victory. This is, I mean, what better acquisition could the A's have possibly made here, Chris? Uh, it's... Uh... It's hard to imagine one. Ricky, Ricky Henderson, as we went over in part one of episode 41 of the show to be named later, was the player of the 80s. And this mm -hmm. was the 80s. This was a time when, when Ricky Henderson was arguably maybe the best player in all of baseball at the time. Absolutely. And he showed it right off the gate with Oakland. In his first 17 games back with the team, he slashed 413, 513, 619 for an 1132 OPS with three home runs, four doubles, 13 walks, and 11 stolen bases. Mind you, this is just 17 games, like I mentioned. And that took them to the end of the first half. And then on July 5th, Mark McGuire came up to the plate looking to achieve a milestone in his young career. So Mark McGuire reaches 100 home runs for his career, uh, which was just a few years old at that point. He was off and running. And that takes us to the end of the first half. The, the A's finished 52-36, and 36, one and a half game, games behind the Angels in the American League West. And the A's had three starters for the American League in the All-Star game, and they were Dave Stewart, Terry Steinbeck, and Mark McGuire. 
And the voting, the fan voting process for this makes me laugh because it makes me realize how far we've come uh, as a baseball fan base. Stewart did not lead any AL stats except for wins, but with a 14 in record, naturally he was picked as the starter because, you know, it's the 80s. And that's the only evaluation that we really needed at that time. Uh, and by the way, I mean, he obviously earned that record. He had a 324 ERA. Uh, Terry Steinbeck had a 322 average, which led all AL catchers, but Mickey Tettleton was actually better with, you know, the, uh, the power stats, the slogging, the OPS, the WOBA, the weighted runs created plus stuff like that. But I mean, a 322 average will get you there every time in 1989. And Mark McGuire led all AL first baseman in RBI with 58, which is pretty impressive despite, you know, missing two weeks. But uh, he wasn't leading any of the rate statistics, but nonetheless, still there. Mike Moore was also, also an all-star, and uh, he pitched a shutout inning. And um, for some reason, Jose Canseco was an all-star. He had not played a single game in the season yet, uh, which is a little weird, but he made the team. And McGuire and Steinbeck also uh, each went one for three in the all-star game. So that moves on to the second half of the A's, the 1989, 1989 A's season. And Jose Canseco finally returned to the lineup in the first game of the second half. He went two for four with a home run and a stolen base. Uh, on August 18th, the Oakland Athletics lost a game to the Tigers. This put them in a tie with the Angels in the division. And the A's proceeded to go eight and four for the rest of the month. There were two games up heading into September having clinched a winning record at 81 and 53. Then on August 29th, 11 days later, the athletics beat the Yankees 19 to five in Yankee stadium. This was the most lopsided Yankees home loss in 12 years since 1977. The Yankees got out to an early three, three, nothing lead, but the A's tied it and then produced a 10 run fifth inning. This remains the only game in A's franchise history with 19 runs scored and a team win probability added of at least 0.600. And the A's won 10 of their first 10, won seven of their first 10 games in September and had increased their division lead to three games. But then they played a very sloppy series in Boston and got swept. The A's made seven errors over those three games. But after that, they won six of seven on a road trip to Cleveland and Minnesota. And during, a, during the series against the Twins, Tony Phillips made one of the best plays that you will ever see by a second baseman. Up the middle. Great stop by Phillips and a great play by the Oakland middle infield. Phillips with a great diving play and a behind the back flip to Gallego. Oh man. Chopped right up the middle. And a blind behind the back flip to Gallego. What a so Tony Phillips with one of the most unbelievable plays. Uh, you will see by a second baseman. And after that road trip, the A's division lead was at five and a half games, and they were on the verge of clinching. And on September 27th, uh, that, that day, 
of clinching would come. That can cause some problems. Now, the worst thing a big guy can do is swing and miss when you have a bad hand or a bad wrist, or try and check your swing, but swing and the miss has more, more a tendency to really hurt. There's a drive to left field. See you later if it's fair. It's gone. He hurt his wrist, didn't he? SB strikes out on a low inside breaking ball. One out. Pop fly. Short center. Gallego out. They're one out away. Just like that, the 1989 Athletics were American League West champions uh, for the second year in a row. And the A's finished the season 99 and 63 and had the best record in baseball by six games. That's right. So the A's are playoff bound handily, and we're going to meet the athletic bunch that led them there. He only played half the season in Oakland, but we got to talk about Ricky Henderson. He led the league in the majors in F4 with an 8.4, and he still would have led the American League in stolen bases if you only counted the games he played for Oakland. That was, that was 52 he had with the A's. He led the majors in runs scored. He led the American League in walks, and he slashed 294, 425, 438, 863 with the A's. He had 148 OPS plus, and he was ninth in the MVP vote. So even in the short time he spent there, Ricky Henderson still did his due with Oakland. Dennis Eckersley, despite missing some time, he went 4-0 with a 1-5-6 ERA and in 57 and two-thirds innings pitched. He had 55 strikeouts and three walks, 33 saves, and the first season in American League history with a K-to-walk ratio of 18. He finished, oddly enough, he finished fifth in the MVP voting, but sixth in the Cy Young. I don't really understand the logic there, but all right. Also, a 38-year-old Dave Parker was still doing it for the A's. A slash line of 264, 308, 432, 741, 22 home runs, 97 RBI, and that got him 11th in the most valuable player voting. Dave Stewart, the ace of this team, 21 and nine regular season record, 332 ERA, eight complete games, 257 and two thirds innings pitched. Also the third most recent season uh, out of 160 total. 
with 250 innings pitched and no intentional walks. Did not did not intentionally put someone on base once. So Stewart finished 14th in the MVP voting and second in the Cy Young. Uh, Carney Lansford, he did a great job. 336, 398, 405, 803. He was just three points shy of the batting title for the season. He had a 4.6 baseball reference war and was 17th in the MVP vote. Mike Moore led the team in B war with a 5.4. He had a 19-11 record, 2.61 ERA, 172 strikeouts in 241 and two-thirds innings pitched. That got him 20th in the MVP vote and third in the Cy Young vote. Also, Mark McGuire, he hit 231 and slugged 467 for an 806 OPS. Um, he also had a 339 OBP uh, because he walked a lot. He had 33 home runs and 95 RBIs. That got him 25th in the MVP vote despite missing a couple weeks. Also, I thought I'd point this out. Storm Davis, one of the starting pitchers, he produced the only season in baseball history this year with 19 wins, less than 10 losses, and an ERA plus of 85 or below. <laughs> very, very interesting. Yeah. Also, Tony Phillips, do you have something to say there? Uh, that's a pretty crazy, crazy thing that happened. <laughs> it's very, he had a 4.36 ERA. And yeah. uh, got 19 wins. Wild. Losses. Uh, run support, baby. And also, Tony Phillips played six different positions throughout the year, uh, which wasn't exactly a thing that happened very commonly in 1989. You didn't really see the super utility players uh, coming in and out like they do now. And Tony Phillips was kind of one of those guys who paved the way, especially for the A's in 89. And the A's became one of – there are currently 20 teams in baseball history – to have four pitchers with at least 17 wins. And these pitchers were Dave Stewart, Storm Davis, Bob Welsh, and Mike Moore. So they were one of 20 teams to accomplish that. And the A's offense was tied for the AL lead in F4 for the season with 27.4. So that leads into the American League Championship Series uh, against the Blue Jays. So in game one, the Blue Jays were out to a three to one lead in the fifth inning and the A's chipped away on a single by Dave Parker. And in the sixth, Mark McGuire led off the inning, trying to tie the game. Half of the sixth, Steve nursing a three, two lead. He's given the A's six hits. His mates have five off Stewart and McGuire may have just tied it. First pitch. See you later. So Mark McGuire takes the hanging curveball from Dave Steve and makes it a three to three ball game. Later in the inning, uh, Carney Lansford came up with the bases loaded and one out, looking to break the tie. For the A's, grounded into 163 double plays this year, easily the most in the majors. 
Grounder to short. They're going to turn it. Fernandez to Liriano. Takeout slide. And the throw gets away. Ricky Henderson made the play. There's going to be a big argument. They're going to ask for a call out at first base. And according to the letter of the rule, they should call him out. He slid, but at the completion of the slide, the instruction for the umpire say he's got to still be able to come in contact with that base. And he slid hard. Fernandez is arguing with Dale Ford. Cito Gaston has not yet come out. It's the kind of slide you want. The man's on your team. Consent, uh, Lansford, one of those very guilty all year long of hitting in the double plays, and what a jump Ricky Henderson had. With the bases loaded, he's going to get it, and here comes Dave McKay keep on going. So on that play that would be controversial nowadays, the A's uh, give themselves a five to three lead. The athletics would go on to win seven to three, giving them the one nothing series lead in the ALCS. And then in game two, the blue Jays went up one, nothing in the third, but the A's later took the lead in the fourth on a single by Cardinal Lansford and a double by Mark McGuire. And Dave Parker led the sixth inning off uh, looking to add some insurance uh, to this A's lead. Main bath this fall. Game one, the Giants and the Cubs as Parker launches one to deep right center. This may get out of here. Gone. So Dave Parker comes up with a moonshot of a home run, catching a lot of air. And the A's eventually got two more in that inning on a Ron Hassey sack fly and a Tony Phillips single. And then in the ninth inning, uh, Dennis Eckersley, the man who finished top five in the MVP vote, came on to close out this, uh, the game to make it 2 nothing. Athletics. In game three against Sean Davis. The one-two pitch. Little pop. Weiss wants it. The A's win two at home. They've excelled. So the Oakland Athletics are up two to nothing in the American League Championship Series. Then we move on to game three. And with the A's already up two to nothing, uh, two to nothing in the game, Dave Parker came up once again in the fourth inning trying to add more insurance runs to the Athletics lead. The one-two pitch. Here's a drive to deep right center. Parker got all of this, and it's over the fence and gone. He got a hanging curveball from Jimmy Key. 
that he just stayed with. Never gave an inch. Oh, he has a little glimpse over at Kelly Gruber as if to say, well, how about that little guy? Whoa, a little staring contest. So Dave Parker once again adds some insurance runs for the Oakland Athletics. And the A's were up three to nothing in the game. However, the wheels fell off in the fourth inning for Storm Davis. He gave up a sack fly to George Bell, a two-run double to Tony Fernandez, and a single to Ernie Witt. It was four-nothing Toronto. And the Jays got three more in the seventh on RBIs from Junior Felix, Lloyd Mosby, and Mookie Wilson. And the Blue Jays eventually won the game seven to three to make it a two-one two to one athletics series lead. And then the game in game four, the game was scoreless going into the fourth and Ricky Henderson decided that he was going to take over. This will get a run home, maybe more. Mosby going back, looking up out of here and into wow. the black seats, the hitting background. There aren't many leadoff men who can launch one like that to dead center field. About a 430-foot shot, 2 nothing Oakland. I think we talked about that yesterday when Jimmy Key was the starter, that you might negate, that might, you will negate some of Ricky Henderson's base stealing with a left hand on the mound, but he becomes a little bit better extra base hitter. But that far, I'll show you that with a full house, a nice warm building, a little more humidity. The ball is flying. I don't think Ricky could even believe it went that far. He thought it might be up against. What's that, 4.30? That'd be my guess in that vicinity. I think so just slightly out of position a lot. A drive to left. If it's high enough and fair, it's gone. Yeah. It qualified on both counts. Like it landed right on the top of the fence, just inside the screen. A breaking ball down and in. A blur. Can you imagine how many ways this guy can beat you? Game one and two, great speed, a record, and then he does this today. Jays fans didn't like to see him racing. They like him even less trotting. So Bob Costas with the with the great call. They the Jays fans don't like him racing around the bases. They like him even less trotting. He had two two home runs in that game. Also, Jose Canseco had two more RBI, and uh, he also had did two RBI on a home run and a single. Uh, the Blue Jays or the Athletics would go on to win that game. Six to five. The A's started the game in game five on a Ricky rally, which is a term coined by manager Tony Larusa. Uh, so Ricky Henderson walked, stole, stole second, and then scored on a Jose Canseco single. In the third inning, uh, Ricky Henderson struck again with an RBI triple, and Oakland got more insurance in the seventh inning on RBIs from Steinbach and Mike Gallego. And in the ninth inning, Dennis Eckersley went to uh, send the Athletics to their second consecutive World Series. 
Felix steps out. Here it comes once more. Struck him out. And the Oakland A's have a return engagement in the World Series. Their second consecutive American League pennant. Conseco and the two Hendersons and Ricky is the MVP. It was unanimous in the balloting by the media. So the Oakland Athletics are American League champions in 1989. Ricky Henderson won ALCS MVP slashing 400, 609, 1,609 with four extra base hits, seven walks, and eight stolen bases. But he wasn't the only uh, offensive machine in the series. Mark McGuire hit 389 with a 10-11 OPS that series with a home run and three RBI. Carney Lansford hit 455 with a 993 OPS with four RBI and two walks. Dave Henderson, the other Henderson, hit 263 with a 912 OPS with a home run, three RBI, and two walks. Jose Canseco hit 294 with an 871 OPS with a home run, three RBI, and three walks. And Dave Stewart on the mound went 2-0 with a 2-8-1 ERA in 16 innings pitched. Mike Moore went seven shutout innings in his start. And Dennis Eckersley throughout the series had a 1-5-9 ERA in five and two-thirds innings pitched to go along with three saves. So now on to the fall classic. So the A's were facing the San Francisco Giants in the World Series. So that means it is the battle for the Bay. It is Oakland, San Francisco, essentially next door neighbors fighting for the world championship. So in game one, the A's ran ahead in the second inning with the Tony Phillips RBI single. Walt Weiss hit into an RBI fielder's choice, and Ricky Henderson hit an RBI single. So the A's were up 3-0 early. Dave Parker hit yet another leadoff home run in the third to make it 4-0. And in the fourth, Walt Weiss looked to do the same thing. For the Giants. And of all people, Weiss drives one to right field and gone! So the A's have five runs in four innings on two home runs. And although the power is on for the offense, make no mistake about it, this game belonged to Dave Stewart. 21-9 during the regular season, 69 walks and 155 strikeouts. Here's the 1-2 to Mitchell, hit to the right side, and short hop nicely by Phillips to throw him out. So Stewart has his first strikeout. Three straight years with 20 wins or more. And down goes Maldonado. You will have a good, healthy swing. Runner goes, and Thompson has gone on strikes. That's 
grounded toward the hole, and Weiss is there to plug it up and get him at second on the fourth. The World Series has been played here, and the former, and who knows, maybe future home of the Raiders. Grounded to short, Weiss on the run, throws it up, and he's inning. And Mitchell gone on strikes. Number four for Dave Stewart. Low scoring ball games. The only game they won, two to one, when McGuire hit the home run. Game three, Steinbach comes all the way back and has room. Crowd chanting, Stu, 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 as Thompson grounds one on a hop to Lansford. Over to second to Phillips, and the Giants finished in the eighth. And Williams got on strike. He lived up to his old nickname there. Rounded to third, backhanded by Phillips, straightens up, and Stewart has his shutout. So Dave Stewart, with a complete game shutout to open up the Fall Classic, his final line for the night, nine innings pitched, Five hits, no runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. That would be a game score of 82 on the night. Pretty good. So now in game two, the A's performed a flawless Ricky rally to start the game. A walk, a steal, and a double by Carney Lansford. In the fourth, it was tied one-to-one. -one, and after Canseco walked on a 10-pitch at bat, Dave Parker came up looking to give Oakland the lead. Here, a low ball pitcher to a low ball hitter. And Parker eyeballs one to right field and into the corner, and it's a fair ball. Maldonado plays it perfectly, then double clutches. Parker is in the second, but Canseco comes in to score. So Oakland is back on top with that double by Dave Parker. After Dave Henderson walked and McGuire struck out, Terry Steinbeck came up looking to give Oakland some insurance. The deep left field, and LaRusso was very precious. God. So Terry Steinbach hits the home run, three-run home run, to put the game away. And after Mike Moore went seven innings pitched with one earned run, the bullpen finished it off, and the A's won the game 5-1. to one. They were going across the Bay Bridge with a 2-0 series lead. So now we move on to game three. And the A's, like I just said, they only need two more wins, but needless to say, this game started quite like no other. Running between him and Clark. F flash forward to the bottom of the fourth inning. Dave Parker barely, by inches, just misses a home run. 
Candy Maldonado with the hesitation, allowing Jose Canseco to score, and he fails to get Dave Parker at second base, so the Oakland A's take... take I'll tell you what, we're having an earth. So, as you just barely made out hearing Al Michaels and Tim McCarver say, there was an earthquake during the pregame. And it wasn't just, you know, like, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that light of an earthquake. It was one of the worst earthquakes recorded in the history of California. In fact, it is currently recognized as the 13th largest earthquake in California measured by magnitude. This put up a 6.9 on the Richter scale. And... This is a very serious event. Um, 63 people tragically lost their lives in this natural disaster. Thousands were hurt and roughly $10 billion worth of damage was done. That is uh, calculated to current inflation. Back then, I think it was like three or four million, three or four billion dollars worth of damage, but still. Parts of the Golden Gate Bridge were broken. Parts of the city were on fire. And if you were at this game, especially if you were like in the upper decks, like you were, you were worried for your life. Like there was no guarantee that you were going to make it out of there alive. And obviously they postponed the game. They had to have everyone exit the stadium, players, staff, fans, whoever you were, you know, you were not in a 100% safe situation out there. So they had to have everyone exit in an orderly manner. So how do you respond to this? I mean, this is a serious moment uh, in your city. You know, you have the two local teams there and one guy who stepped up to it was Dave Stewart. He's a Bay Area native, and he's lived in this area his whole life. So naturally, he wanted to help out. And Stewart uh, went out at 2 in the morning to bring food and coffee to anyone in the area who needed it. Uh, he didn't have to do this. And in fact, it was actually going against his own safety because, you know, aftershocks were a real worry. So, I mean, he could have been putting his own life at risk just to help others in the area uh, who needed it. And, uh, you know... Dave Stewart is a Hall of Very Good type of pitcher, but make no mistake about it, he is a Hall of Fame person, and it showed right here uh, in this very instance, and I wanted to highlight that because I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah, well put. So the series was postponed, and game three would actually be played 10 days later. So because of this, everyone was rested and the A's got to go right back to Dave Stewart to pitch game three. They didn't have to worry about uh, Storm Davis and Bob Welsh uh, going forward. They could just go right back to the top of the rotation. And in the game, the A's bats didn't miss a beat. Boy, and it is a special city. People have been fantastic. The whole area, there's a drive to deep right center field and that one is gone. Dave Henderson this time hits it over after hitting the top of the fence in the first inning. This one clears it by a couple of feet in the fourth. In this ballpark than any other park. And that one carries very well to right field and that one is gone off the bat of Phillips. Giant bullpen is busy. Well, you've got to wonder, Al, what the line drive off Perelts did last inning. He came off the 
that type of year where you don't want to leave. Drops down and it's drilled a deep left center field and Jose Canseco on a 2-2 pitch has hit it out. Especially in a lineup like this one. And there's another towering drive to deep center field. Butler goes back and Henderson has hit his second home run. The fourth by the A's, the fifth on this winless night at Candlestick, and it's eight to three. Now Lansford. Hits it in the air to left field and deep and going back is Mitchell and that one is gone. And that ties a World Series record for most home runs in the game by a team and most in the game by two teams as well. It's nine to three. The Yankees against the Cardinals in 1928 hit five in a game. And there have been six in the game from both clubs on three separate occasions and now four. So the A's hit five homers in the game, two from Dave Henderson, one from Jose Canseco, one from Tony Phillips, and one from Carney Lansford. They scored 13 runs in the game, and they became the first team in World Series history to score 13 runs on five homers. So that is some history right there. Dave Stewart also went seven innings pitched with three runs allowed and eight strikeouts. And the A's won the game 13 to seven. So now in game four, this was it. This was a potential A's clinch night. And Ricky Henderson was ready to go. And he gets a high fly ball to left field, and that one is carrying, and back goes Mitchell, and it's a launching pad again tonight. And I have to tell you, I've seen a lot of games in this park, and that fooled everybody. But on a winless night, what would be a normal routine fly ball goes out, just like last night, one to nothing. That sets a World Series record never in the history of the World Series as eight different players hit home runs. Now only Mark McGuire has not homered. So Ricky Henderson gets it going just one nothing after three pitches. Uh, the A's threatened again in the second, but pitcher Mike Moore came up at the plate with two outs. Report on Moore, don't you? <laughs> Has trouble with the thrown ball. And it's hit in the air to center field, and Butler races back, and it's over his head. Henderson comes in to score. Weiss is being waved in. He scores on the first hit by an American League pitcher since 1979 in a World Series game. There you have it, Mike Moore. 
getting it done with the bat. Three A's, and the next hitter was Ricky Henderson. Tied 1-1 in game two. And that's grounded to the hole for a base hit. Moore is being waved in by Laxman. Here comes Kevin Mitchell's throw to Kennedy. Not in time. Down to second goes Henderson, and it's four to nothing. So Henderson with a single, a run batted in, second on the throw. He's two for two tonight. It's four nothing, and Roger Craig has to go to the mound in the second inning. So it is a 4-0 A's lead early in this one. The A's are pouring it on. Mike Moore stayed shutting out the Giants on the mound, and the offense kept doing their thing. In the fifth, Terry Steinbach came up looking to insert the dagger. Steinbach able to leg out a triple for two runs, and they weren't done yet. The next batter was Tony Phillips, looking to put even more insurance in this one. And baseball. Phillips hits one in the air to left field, racing over his Mitchell, that's over his head. Phillips has an extra base hit. Seven nothing is Steinbach scores on a double by Tony Phillips. The A's would later get another run on a Lansford single and a Steinbach, Steinbach walk. And Terry Steinbach became the only catcher in World Series history to have a triple and three RBIs in a single game. One second. I keep sneaking these how about that's in there. I'm impressed, I'm very impressed. Mm -hmm. The A's were raking in this one just like they did all season long. And in the ninth, Dennis Eckersley went to finish the job. A's trying to sweep, but the Giants have certainly not made life easy for them tonight. It's a ground ball to the right side, steered by Phillips. Flips Eckersley. Yes, he's there in time, and the A's are the world champions. it is the Oakland A's are World Series champions for the first time before this core was bound to win one after last season happened and Chris they were able to get it done in 1989 yeah they uh they were able to do it after a heartbreaking end 
uh, to their previous season, were able to put all the pieces together. Dave Stewart won World Series MVP. He went 2-0 with a 1-6-9 ERA, 16 innings pitched, and 14 strikeouts. Dave Henderson hit really well in the series, 308, 500, 923, 14-23 OPS, two home runs, two doubles, and four RBIs. Ricky Henderson slashed 474, 524, 895 for a 14-19 OPS. One double, two triples, one home run, and three stolen bases. Also, in the entirety of the playoffs, he slashed 441, 568, 941, 1509. Eight extra base hits, eight RBI, nine walks, 12 runs scored, and 11 stolen bases in just nine games. He also reached base safely at least twice in all nine games. Incredible work from Ricky there. Carney Lansford. Slashed 438, 526, 688, 1214 with one home run, four RBIs, and three walks. Jose Canseco, very similar job. 357, 500, 571, 1071, one home run, three RBI, and four walks on the series. Terry Steinbach slashed 250, 333, 563, 896 with seven RBI for the A's. And Dave Parker also had a 898, 889 OPS. Also, Mike Moore went 2-0 with a 208 ERA and 13 innings pitched. And that's it for the season for the 1989 Oakland A's, the World Series champions, and rightfully so. As for this team's legacy, uh, unequivocally, they were the best team in baseball all year round. They were the best team record-wise by six games in the regular season, and they went 8-1 and one in the postseason. Also, they were a very next man up type of team. They had a lot of injuries earlier in the season that they had to work through. You know, obviously both of the Bash bros were out. Mark McGuire is only out for a couple weeks. So, I mean, you could probably excuse that one. But Jose Canseco was out for the whole first half. Dennis Eckersley was out for a month plus. Uh, Storm Davis missed some time. Walt Weiss missed some time. And they had guys step up. Tony Phillips playing everywhere on the diamond. Carney Lansford breaking out with a 336 batting average. Guys like Stan Javier were able to fill some spots. Todd Burns, Bob Welsh. I mean, you know, there were so many guys that you could just plug into this lineup that could perform when needed, when they needed it most, when everyone was down. Uh, yeah, this team is absolutely stacked. Bash Brothers, and then when you add in uh, Ricky Henderson, it becomes pretty much an unstoppable force and they were an unstoppable force in those playoffs. And, you know, also in the regular season, 99 and 63, and then they went eight and one in the playoffs. They were a, an absolutely dominant team. Yeah. And not only that, but they also played after a natural disaster in their area there. I mean, I know it happened in San Francisco, but it affected Oakland as well. And they were able to pick, pick the city up uh, and get them a world series. So this team, they had a heart. <laughs> they had a lot of good chemistry. They had so many good guys that you could just plug in. You know, I mean, when when I when we picked this team, I was not expecting to talk about Carney Lansford this much, but here we are. I was not expecting to talk about Tony Phillips this much, but here we are. So, I mean, there were a lot of guys that really broke out for them this season and were big pieces to the puzzle. Also, Dave Parker at 38, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dave Parker, who... Um got some hall of fame consideration he was he was he was a part of that uh he was he was a decent part of that 1989 a's club 
especially in the postseason. Definitely a fun club to uh, yeah. to go over. Um, yeah, one of the one of the more fun teams. Pretty pretty likable team. Absolutely. Cast of characters. Also, uh, Terry Steinbach uh, remaining a All Star catcher. He started for the second straight year, I believe. Kept it going. You know, hit three twenty two in the first half, which you're not supposed to do as a catcher, especially in the eighties. Uh, I mean, they were very de- they had a lot of depth, and you know, I mean. I think the thing that's going to stick with me is the next man up type of thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially with those injuries at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season seem to not phase them at all. That's right. So does that close the book on the 1989 athletics? It sure does. A fun team. So fantastic team to cover. And now we will be looking to pick our next pair of uh, player and team to cover next week. First this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going first this week. Uh, for those unaware, um, we started doing this history show uh, pretty much at the start of quarantine. We realized baseball was not going to be co- uh, coming back. Um, Daniel came with, came up with the idea, 30 players and 30 teams. We're going to write them down. Uh, Daniel put down 30 teams, one for each franchise, like the 1989 Athletics, not not a full team history, just one season out of the team's history. And uh, I was I was uh, instructed to put down 30 players, uh, you know, 30 players, different eras, different teams, like Jimmy Fox, you know, kind of a random random Hall of Famer. So. Uh, now we are down to uh, 15 guys on the list. We reshuffle after after every five players and teams we pick. Uh, we assign each player and team a random a random number through computer randomization, and then uh, and then I'll pick a number for the team we will be talking about, and Daniel will pick a number for the player we are, we are going to be talking about. So I'm going first this week. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about this week we are going to be talking about team number 11 team number 11 we are staying within roughly the same era we're still going pre-strike and for the first time in history we have completed a division we've done every team in one division this is a team that won the world series in one of the best games of all time the 1991 Minnesota Twins. Nice. I yeah. do like going pre-strike. Different game for sure. Uh, and yeah. Kirby Puckett, Dean Larkin's uh, big hit to win the series. Jack Morris's huge, huge outing. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to seeing the different cast of characters that made made that a World Series team. Um so now, Daniel, what player are we going to be talking about next week? Player number two. <laughs> player number two. Um, this is uh, sort of <clears throat> the same era as Jimmy Fox. Uh, when I was describing Jimmy Fox, uh, you thought I was describing this guy. We're going to be talking about Rogers Hornsby next week. Nice. Nice. Rogers Hornsby. Uh Possibly, I said this with Joe Morgan, but I'll say it for him too. Possibly the greatest second baseman of all time. 
this guy's career went so under the radar. He was just so unbelievably good. I'm yeah. glad I'm glad he's on the list. Yeah, like Babe Ruth was doing unbelievable things in the AL, but Rogers Hornsby was kind of that guy mm-hmm. in the NL. Uh, so yep. about time we give him some recognition. Uh, we're going to be talking about Rogers Hornsby next week. Looking forward to it. Another uh, another guy who shined in the in the twenties for the most part. Yeah. So we've done every AL Central team for. Uh, for yeah. At first, um, at first I was confused because I was thinking about it. We've done four of the five AL West teams, and I was like, Well, technically, technically, there's four AL West teams on the list because the Astros I did in 2005. Yeah, technically. But uh, yeah, and then then you said pre-strike, and I was like, "Well, this isn't an ain- this isn't the Angels." Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was surprised to hear that. So we're gonna be talking about uh, Rogers Hornsby and the 1991 Twins next week. Uh, we hope yep. you enjoyed our Jimmy Fox 1989 Athletics episode. And uh, first of all, we'd like to thank Baseball Reference, Stathead, Fangraphs and uh, MLB on YouTube for uh, what for the information and the content that was able to produce this, that was able to help produce this episode. And we would also like to encourage you to watch the videos with us. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and you want to watch the videos with us, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is called STBNL with Christiana and Daniel Curran. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta, follow Daniel on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran, and follow the show Instagram at STBNL Podcast. And we hope you enjoyed our Jimmy Fox and 1989 athletics episode, and we hope to see you uh, next Tuesday where we're going to be talking about MLB News uh, rumors and making the Hall of Fame case for Mark Burley for and against Mark Burley. And we hope to see you on Wednesday and next Wednesday and Thursday, where we're going to be talking about uh, Rogers Hornsby and the 1991 Twins. See you then.